you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that. He did not say he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? I'm sure most of you are familiar with the name Max Lucado. Have you heard that name before, Max Lucado? You've probably read some of his books, and and if you haven't, I I would highly recommend it. He has actually published a total of 127 books. And his very first book was published in 1985, and it's titled On the Anvil, Stories on Being Shaped into God's image. And it's actually a collection of weekly bulletin articles written by Max when he was an associate minister in a church in Miami, Florida. And one of the articles in the book is titled, A Good Heart, But. And the scene he portrays in this article is one like, you know, this this morning. It's the Sunday a.m. morning assembly and And Max is silently conversing with God in prayer. And and this is the prayer slash conversation he has with God. Max says, God, I want to do great things. God responds, you do? Max, you bet. I want to teach millions. I want to fill the Rose Bowl. I want all of the world to know your saving power. I dream of the day. And then God interrupts. Well, that's great, Max. In fact, I can use you today after church. Max responds, super. How about some radio and TV work or, or, or an engagement to speak to Congress? And God responds, well, that's not exactly what I had in mind. You see that fellow sitting next to you? Max responds, yes. God says, he needs a ride home. And Max, quietly to himself, what? 
God responds, he needs a ride home, and while you're at it, one of the older ladies sitting near you is worried about getting a refrigerator moved. Why don't you drop by this afternoon and... And Max pleading, but God, what about the world? And God responds, think about it. That story kind of reminds me of uh, God's words in Isaiah 55, verse 8, where he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are, are, are not your ways, declares the Lord. Because sometimes what, what God wants and what you think God wants don't always align. This morning I want to consider another poignant question that Jesus asked, which was probably the very last question he asked before he ascended back to the Father. And this question was specifically directed to Peter. And it concerns an issue uh, that I think many of us have. In John 21, Jesus made one of his post-resurrection appearances on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. And seven of the 11 apostles were out fishing all night and were a little ways out from shore. And Jesus appeared to them on the shore in the morning. And he performed one of those final miracles by helping them catch an almost net-breaking amount of fish, simply by telling them that, you know, to cast your net on the other side of the boat. And when the disciples finally arrived on shore, Jesus had uh, breakfast waiting for them. And after they finished breakfast, Jesus had this interesting conversation with Peter, uh, in which he asked Peter three times if Peter loved him. And after Peter answered yes three times to each of those questions, Jesus responded each of those three times with the same words, feed my sheep. After the third response, Jesus then says to Peter in verse 18, truly, truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Now, here's where it gets a little interesting. Here's what I want to emphasize this morning. After Jesus said to Peter, follow me, it indicates in verse 20 that Peter turned and saw the disciple that Jesus loved following them. Now, most commentators believe that it was probably John who was the disciple that Jesus loved, but it's, it's difficult to verify for sure. So after Jesus told Peter to follow me, Peter asked, you know, he turned around and he looked and he says, well, what about him? Jesus responded to Peter's question with a very poignant question in verse 22. Jesus asked Peter, If it's my will that he, meaning the other disciple, remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. 
Now, according to verse 23, the disciples interpreted that to mean that this disciple that Jesus loved was not going to die until Jesus returned. But the writer, John, disputed that in verse 24 by reminding his readers that all Jesus said was, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? A very poignant question. Jesus told Peter what he wanted him to do during their breakfast. He wanted Peter to take care of his sheep. He told him that three times. And he was referring to the lost sheep of Israel. You know, in other words, the Lord wanted Peter to minister primarily to the Jews. And Paul confirmed this in his letter to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 7, writing that he, Paul, had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, meaning the Gentiles, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, meaning the Jews. So Jesus commissioned Peter to take the gospel to the Jews while implying that Peter will give his life for Jesus in that ministry. Through the words, another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And you know, I, I kind of would imagine that Peter was a little taken back by that because if you recall, Peter was the one who rebuked Jesus when Jesus said he himself was going to die at the hands of the religious leaders in Matthew 16 and verse 21. And Peter responded by saying, hey, we're not going to let that happen to you, Lord. Don't even think about that. Peter was the one who used his sword in the garden to try to protect Jesus by wielding it against the high priest servant Malchus and cutting off his ear. Peter was also the one who told Jesus he was willing to lay down his life for him during the Passover meal prior to Jesus' arrest, but then denied him three times. Peter probably felt a great deal of joy and satisfaction that Jesus here at this breakfast on the shoreline hadn't written him off and was instead commissioning him to continue the work he'd been doing during Jesus' ministry. And yet Peter, all of a sudden, wants to know, hey, what's, what's going to happen to this other disciple? You know, for some reason, we, we human beings are like that. I mean, we like to compare ourselves with others. You know, we like to compare our, our circumstances with others. We, we like to know uh, a lot of times where we stand in regard to others, other people, friends, relatives. Our, our uh, five-year-old grandson, who we just visited last week, always has to have the upper hand. Uh, he's extremely competitive, and he feels, he, he gets a little jealous sometimes. Uh, we'll, we'll stay the first couple of days with our son, and that's who, who this is, our son's son. Uh, we'll stay the first couple of days at their house, and then we, we leave and, and we spend the other couple of days at our daughter's house with our other two grandkids, and our, our grandson doesn't like that. He gets a little jealous because he wants us to stay with them. Peter was among the 12 who twice in Luke 9 and 22 argued about who among them was the greatest apostle. And after Peter asked about this other disciple, Jesus kind of rebuked Peter and he said, if, if I want him to remain or if I want to use him in a different way, what's that to you? You just need to keep your eyes focused on me. 
You know, there were two instances in Scripture when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. Uh, the first time was in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, when he first met Jesus. And he caught this huge catch of fish that Jesus orchestrated. And he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at himself and said, Depart from me, I am a sinful man. The second time was when he got out of the boat during the storm and he began walking on the water toward Jesus in Mark 14, verse 30. And he took his eyes off of Jesus and he looked instead at the wind and the waves and when he did that, he began to sink. So, so this may be an instance when a little selfishness might be appropriate on our part. In other words, if we apply this to ourselves, we might apply it this way. Focus more on how you follow Jesus as opposed to how someone else follows Jesus. Each one of you needs to keep your eyes focused on following Jesus. You need to look to him, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, according to Hebrews 12.2. What was that joy that was set before Jesus on which he focused? You know, I'm going to suggest that, that it was the joy of being back at the right hand of his father. The joy of, of faithfully completing the mission that he'd been given. The joy of, of bringing salvation to the world, to you and me. Focusing on that mission enabled Jesus to fulfill his mission and endure the cross. You and I have a tendency to focus on our circumstances rather than Jesus. As Peter did when he walked on the water. And it's a mistake it's a mistake to focus on your circumstances rather than the joy that is set before you. And what's the joy that's set before you? I suggest it's the joy of, of being forgiven, being redeemed, the joy of being called to serve your Lord and, and completing your mission, the joy of glorifying God, the joy of being saved, the joy of, of being with God in Christ, knowing you're going to be with him forever in a place where there's no crying, pain, loss, evil, temptation. We could go on. When you take your eyes off of Jesus and you start focusing on your circumstances, you begin to lose your way. When you take your eyes off of Jesus, discouragement, when you look at your circumstances, discouragement and disappointment can overwhelm you. And you begin to doubt like Peter did. Now, you know, I'm sure many of you have experienced walking somewhere, looking at your phone and, and not looking at where you're going. Uh, you, ought, you ought to go on YouTube sometime and look at some of the videos of, of people. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, it's, it's actually, it's embarrassing. <laughs> and it's dangerous. You know, when I'm driving, I can always tell when someone's looking at their phone. They either start slowing way down below the speed limit, or they start drifting, you know, into my lane or, or over on the side. As long as Peter was looking at Jesus... As long as he was focused on Jesus, Peter succeeded in walking on the water. 
I mean, it does say, if you read that, it does say he walked on the water. But as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at his surroundings, looked at the storm that was going on, he was no longer able to walk on the water. It's unwise to allow the world to distract you such that you take your eyes off of Jesus. Because that's exactly what Satan wants to do to you. He wants to distract you. You can't do the will of God when you take your eyes off of Jesus and start focusing on either your circumstances or your fellow Christians or both. Now, that doesn't mean, that does not mean that we are to stop caring for others because you do have a responsibility to take care of one another according to Philippians 2.4 and to carry one another's burdens according to Galatians 6.1. We have that responsibility. So I'm not suggesting you ignore your brothers and sisters or others, but instead to avoid comparing yourself or your circumstances with others, including your brothers and sisters. Keeping your eyes focused on Jesus means avoiding curiosity about what others are doing and saying. You know, God has given you specific gifts so you can follow him. So you can serve him. And he's given other Christians specific spiritual gifts so so they can follow him and, and serve him. You know, God's free to work differently in your life than he is mine. And it's easy to become distracted and discouraged when you look at other people and you start counting their blessings instead of yours. It's easy to feel resentment when you think you're about your service in the church and the kingdom and with a critical eye compare it to the commitment or lack thereof of other members, what you perceive to be a lack thereof, what good does that do you really? I mean, think about it. You either become proud or envious. And so Jesus' question to you is, what does it matter to you what I'm doing in so-and-so's life? Your purpose is to follow me. And what does that mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, here's what I think it means. Following Jesus means taking up your cross. Not somebody else's. Yours. It means to use the gifts that he's given to you. You have a unique set of gifts that he's given to you. It means to avoid sin and to glorify God in all you do. That's what I think it means to to follow Jesus. I'm sure you could add some more to that. But serving, of course, we know serving Jesus means serving people, so we're certainly going to be looking at others. But I believe Jesus here is talking about focusing on how you serve others and not how your brother or sister serves others. Remember what Paul told the Romans, chapter 14, verse 4. He says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. So you, you, you should be so concerned. You should be so focused with how you are following Jesus that you don't even have time to compare your service with someone else. Focusing on Jesus is, to me, it's kind of like driving a car. When you're driving a car, I mean, you you need to be totally focused on what you're doing 
and where you're going. You know, if you get distracted either by your phone, the person in the seat next to you, or the scenery, you can easily end up in a serious accident. Some of you probably remember the the name Amanda Beard. Amanda Beard was just 14 years old uh, when um, she made an appearance in the Olympics in 1996. And she walked away as the second youngest swimmer in history to medal with one gold and two silvers. And over the course of the next 12 years, she would be the recipient of eight USA Swimming National titles, hold the International Swimming Federation world record and world champion title for for the 200-meter breaststroke, make three more appearances in the Olympic Games, accumulating another gold, two more silvers, and a bronze, and, and serve as the USA Olympic swimming team captain twice. Quite a career. There was an article about her in the Lancaster Eagle Gazette back in 1996, and in the article, Beard attributed her success to her ability to focus. She said, I don't think about the people I'm racing against as much as I concentrate on myself. That's why I don't like swimming with goggles. I don't like to see the person right next to me. So think about that in regard to your service to the Lord. Jesus encourages all of you to keep your eyes focused on following him not, and, and not on your circumstances. Circumstances just create doubt and fear. Jesus encourages all of you to keep your eyes focused on following him and not to be so curious about how your brothers and sisters are following Jesus or how blessed they are compared to you. And I want to reiterate that I don't believe Jesus was talking about ignoring one another. We're not caring about the circumstances of someone else. I I believe Jesus is talking about you being more concerned about how you follow Jesus than how someone else follows Jesus. Jesus works through every one of you, but not necessarily in the same way. So don't get distracted by others and how God is working in their life. Concern yourself with how God wants to work in your life. How he works in their life is his business. And theirs. Your business is to follow him in the way he leads you. And as Paul explained in Romans 14, your brothers and sisters are ultimately accountable to God, not to you. So as Jesus said to Peter, he says to you, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So if you're a Christian and I assume most of you are in here this morning, but you've really kind of become distracted from following him. I mean, I, I grant you, there's a lot, of, a lot of distractions in this world. And it's easy to get distracted. So I, I, I encourage you, that since you're here this morning, I encourage you, turn back. Re, refocus. I encourage you to to start following Jesus again. Nothing but good can come from following Jesus. And you know, if you've not made up your mind yet to follow Jesus, well, let me ask you this question. If you're not following Jesus, then really, who are you following? I want to ask yourself that question. 
You know, Jesus was very critical of the people of his generation because they were always wanting a sign or some physical confirmation. And if you need a sign this morning to start following Jesus, here's the sign. I'm going to give it to you. Mark 16, 16. Those who believe and are baptized will be saved and those who do not believe will be condemned. What else do you need? So we're going to give you some time this morning to think about that. In uh, just a moment, Caleb's going to lead us in another song, which means he might be needing this because I borrowed it from him. Uh, And it's a time for you to respond. It's time for you to think about following Jesus. Maybe it's a time to think about refocusing. Maybe you've been distracted. Maybe you've been thinking about too much about other people. Now's the time to respond this morning. Start anew. Refocus your life as we stand and as we sing.